I want to thank the elders for the opportunity to be able to speak tonight. I'm not the normal minister. In fact, I'm probably the most abnormal minister, okay, that they could have get up here tonight. Uh, we've been out of pocket a little bit in the last few weeks. Uh, we've been adjusting to the uh, first-time grandparent experience. Uh, it has been quite the experience, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, the scariest moment I ever had as a parent was when my first child was born. Uh, he was an emergency C-section because Kim's blood pressure had gotten so high. Uh, her brother was getting married the next day and baby was going to be born at any time and so we had to go in the hospital and they took him and they said, do you want to carry him to the nursery? Well, of course I wanted to carry him to the nursery. Who doesn't want to carry their child to the nursery? And I was great until I got to the doors of the operating room. And then I had to stop. And the fear hit me right there because I knew what was on the other side of the doors. I knew what the world had in it. You know what I mean? I knew all of the good things about the world, but I knew all of the bad things about the world. And I think all of us, that when we were parents for the very first time, we knew that they were our responsibility to raise them and guide them and protect them. So that was a scary time. Grandparents, not anything like that. I can tell you. I haven't been scared at all. Okay? He and I have had a little talk. He already knows. If he decides he wants ice cream, just let me know. If he decides he wants a toy, just let me know. Okay? We've talked about all of the things that we're going to do. But it is great to be able to to experience that. And so we've been out of pocket several weeks because we're going back and forth and visiting and seeing him. And you forget, as yours grow, you forget how fast babies grow and change. You really do. Tonight we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. And you know, doing the thinking back on being a parent and being a grandparent, it makes me really thankful that we have a heavenly Father that loves us as much as He does. As we look at Hebrews chapter 10 tonight, we're going to look at what our heavenly Father's done for us. And we're going to look at what we need to do. Because... We realize as, as parents that, man, there's some great times parenting. There's some rough times parenting too, isn't there? That our kids stumble and they mess up and they worry about how we're going to feel, but we never, ever stop loving them. We never, ever stop loving them. Uh, I was riding in the car the other day. Now this right here, as I read this, will be the most technology I use in doing a sermon. They said, are you going to have slides or anything? Mm -mm, here's my slide right here as I read it, okay? George Strait had a song called A Father's Love. 
And the chorus of that song says, as he sets his son down, he says, and they said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. It's a love without end. Amen. And you know, that's what God's love is for us. It is a love without end. That He has established for us. As we read in chapter 10, let's look at how the law changed from the old law to the new law and what the differences were because what He did was out of His love for us, He gave us the opportunity for forgiveness. He gave us the opportunity for forgiveness. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers once purged would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, he came into the world and he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it was written of me to do your will, O God. You see, as we read these first few verses, we see that, that under the old law, when a person sinned, every year they had to make an offering. And they shed the blood of animals in making that offering. In that first verse, it tells us, and I think this is real interesting, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. You know, I think about a shadow... We try to think about and envision heaven. We really do. And we're told that it's, it's how great it is. But you know what we know, according to what that just told me, is what we know is just a shadow of what is to come. It's just a shadow. It's just the outline of what is to come. And so for us, we can have this image in our head and it goes so far beyond what there is. And so I think that's important as we continue to go on because to know that that, that shadow can't even touch the greatness of what will be. Those sacrifices of the law could never make perfect those who drew near. It couldn't make them perfect. The Scripture tells us. In fact, the sacrifices couldn't take away the sins. Uh, 
They didn't completely cleanse the worshipers. It didn't take away their sins. It was a reminder every year of the sins that they committed. Think about that. You know, as a human being, I can tell you right now, as we continue on, we're going to learn and, and know that God not only forgives, but forgets. You know, as a human being, don't we have a hard time sometimes even forgiving ourselves? And even in those times when we can forgive ourselves, we have a terrible time forgetting. Because we have a conscience. And we can't even forgive and forget for ourselves. But we have a God that not only forgives, but forgets and puts them away. But in the first four verses, he tells us about the sacrifices that were being made and that they were just a reminder of our sins. And they couldn't take away our sins. And so God loved us so much. He loved us so much that as we continue to read, previously saying sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. He is Jesus. Takes away the first, that he may establish the second. A new covenant. But thy will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So Jesus comes and offers up for us a sacrifice that can cleanse us once and for all. And everybody keeps teaching and preaching sacrifice that can't take away your sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. You see, he gave Jesus. Jesus gave his life on the cross to sanctify us, to cleanse us. So that there would be no more offering for sins because his 
was the last that had to be given. This is the covenant that I make. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Man, the great thing about being a Christian, the day you're baptized, is all of your sins are put under that water and you are washed, come up, and you are washed clean. And God forgets all of those. I can't forget them. I can't. But He does. And He can save me. He provided for my cleansing, for my sanctification. He forgives me when I cannot forgive myself. What a great God. And He has a love is a, has a love that never ends. And I think as we continue through this next few verses, in 19 through 25, is that when we realize that God promises and makes these promises for us, that He always keeps His promises. You know, my children did not have a choice but that they were born into my family. They were born into my family. And so I took them and I loved them and I nurtured them and I taught them in the way that I want them to go. And I did my best to guide them. God has done that. He has given us a guide to go by. And my kids sometimes stumbled along the way. We picked them up. We wiped them off. And we loved them. And we forgave them of all their wrongdoing. So that they knew that we constantly had that love. Because they were mine. They were mine. You know, as we were doing our study of John on Wednesday nights, there was the passage in John, I think, chapter 9. John 9, when Christ had healed the blind man, And in about verse 37, well, we'll move up to 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him. It is who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. I find that, The night we read that, I realized that when we started to talk about it and we asked the question, when he says, you have both seen me, it's because 
He saw Jesus when he was blind because he took what Jesus said and he followed it and he could see. But he'd never actually laid eyes on Jesus. He knew Jesus both when he was blind and when he could see. And I think that sends us a message in that I think we are all God's children. We either we have accepted God into our lives through His Son, Jesus Christ, or not. We're all His children. Created in His likeness. And His love for us is without end because He would hope that all of us would go to heaven. But all of us have not accepted His love. We have not put on His Son in baptism. We have not had our sins cleansed and forgiven because we know what to do but we hadn't done it. We know the right thing to do, but we haven't done it. Kind of like when we were kids and we were doing something we weren't supposed to, and all of us have experienced this, whether we were wrestling around, throwing ball in the house, push somebody, something got knocked over and got broken. Something got knocked over and got broken. We knew what we should do. We knew. We should go to our parents and tell them what happened. But we didn't. We didn't go. We didn't go out of fear of what would happen. We didn't go out of fear. So what did we do? We tried to fix it. We'll fix it. We'll glue it. We'll tape it. We'll get it back up there. We'll turn it around and nobody will ever know. Mamas know everything. They know everything. They could tell it's been turned around because, I don't know, maybe they see the dust around it. Maybe they're just all OCD and they could tell something's like a half an inch off. Something, but that thing's been moved. You know? Who moved my vase? Who's been messing around with it? And they get up there, wait a minute. This is broken. What happened? We didn't want to get punished. We didn't want to get punished. We were afraid of what would happen. And so maybe we tried to hide it. You know, we can't hide things from God. God sees us all the time. But as I read on in verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The ESV have, says having confidence. Having the boldness or the confidence to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. To enter the holiest of families. To be born again into the holiest of families. The boldness and the confidence by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. 
and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from every evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Basically saying, to be a part of that family, come with the boldness and the confidence to come forward and be washed in that water, to be immersed in that water and raised up by your choice to be in God's family. To know that whatever you've done, that when you come out of that water, that it will be forgiven. That it will be forgotten. That I'll be perfect, Coach Helton? Mm-mm. No. Because you're still a human being. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble along the way. God is going to do what He can as a parent of His children to surround you with positive things just like we do with our children. To encourage you to do the right thing. But you're going to make mistakes. But it's the same God that you can come to and say, Father, I've stumbled. I've messed up. Will you forgive me? And His love is without end. He will forgive you every time you ask. And then we're given some advice. If we're bold enough to step up and we put on Christ in baptism and we enter the holiest through the blood of Jesus, He tells us, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. He'll be back. Hold fast. Hold true. He'll be back. He is faithful. And let us consider one another. You ever thought about one of the best things that we can do is to figure out a way to encourage one another to stir love and good works? What can I do to love better? Who can I encourage to love more? How do I do that? I do that by loving you. You do that by loving me. Instead of the elders finding works for us to do, instead of the deacons finding works for us to do, maybe part of ours is to let us, all of us, find ways to stir good works for us to do. You and I. Two or three of us can go in together and do a good work. Two or three of us can go in together and show love to not only one another, but to other members of this congregation. On our own is what we're told to do. 
Though we're told in advice to draw near in true heart, in full assurance of faith. To hold fast the confession that we made. And to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. To look out for each other. To encourage each other. To go to each other and say, Hey, we'd love to have you take part in this activity that we're doing next week. Instead of, Hey, there's a sign-up list out there on the board if you want to go sign up. Just stop by on the way. Okay. You know, sometimes it makes a difference when you individually stop somebody and say, hey, we did this last year. You will love this. You ought to come do this with us this time. Well, it sure does make it a lot more personal, doesn't it? It makes it a lot more personal. And you know what you're doing? You're using love and good works to stir up one another. You're using love and good works to stir each other. That's what we're told to do here. That's what we're told to do. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't know when that day of judgment will be, do we, folks? Don't know. Closer today than it was yesterday. We need to hold fast. The great thing I think about this congregation is that you are, we are, we are one big happy family. We're one big happy family. And we want everybody to be a part of this family. The family of God. What needs to happen? You have the boldness to come forward. If you've never put the Lord on in baptism, the boldness to come forward. Confess the name of Jesus Christ. To put on the Lord in baptism. To have your sins washed away. Cleansed. To be sanctified. To be raised up out of that water. As a new creature. An infant. A babe in Christ. But part of the family. Part of the family. To be loved and encouraged. Maybe you've put on the Lord in baptism. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've stumbled along the way. Maybe you've got things on your heart that have held you back. Our God is a Father that has a love with no end that will forgive us when we come forward and say, Father, I've fallen short. I've messed up. And He'll forgive you. And He'll forget about them. And you'll bring yourself back to the family. And we'll have a celebration just like for the prodigal son. You know, I think of how many times throughout the Scripture people messed up. And yes, sometimes things happen to them. But God never stopped loving them. He loved Adam and Eve. Jesus continued no matter how many times Peter stumbled to love him. And he will love us.
You've got to have that boldness, that confidence to know that God's promises hold true. That through His Son, Jesus, we can go to God as we stand and sing.